God is calling you to walk on the waters in life. He's literally calling you to walk on the circumstances of your life. It's like walking on water. It's like walking on treacherous ground. It's like walking on the areas that the enemy is trying to sink you in. Peter walked on the water, did he not? And so did Jesus, did he not? Jesus walked on water, and we're to be as Jesus is. We're to be water-walking Christians. It's literally been granted to us by the Word of God. So the gift of faith, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side. And while he sent the crowds away, so he, he tells his disciples, I want you to get into the boat. I want you to go to the other side. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. He gave an instruction, and then he went the other way. Sometimes that happens, and we, are rec and we recognize it. Like, we know what he last told us. We went and did what he last told us, but then we don't know where he is. In other words, sometimes you can feel kind of alone in the midst of your obedience. Oh, come on, am I not? Is anybody, has anybody understood ever that you walk by faith, but sometimes in your obedience, you can kind of feel alone. You're like, okay, I don't hear him anymore. Well, you know, I don't understand. Like, I heard him. I know I heard him, and I did what he told me to do. And it's like the communication just dried up. Because he's testing you to see, are you going to hang on to the last thing I told you to do, and are you going to be faithful at that? Or are you going to be like a little child that needs every single thing spelled out? It's time to grow up, right? Okay, so he tells them to go into the boat. They do that. Jesus goes the opposite direction, and he goes by himself, went up to the mountain by himself to pray, and it was evening. He was there alone. Verse 24. But the boat was already a long distance away from the land, and it was being battered by the waves and the winds, right? The winds and the waves just beating up that boat. They say it was a stormy night. It was a stormy night. And on the fourth watch of the night, so very early in the morning, he came to them walking on the sea. Jesus came walking on the sea. Now, sometimes you think, well, of course he did because he's Jesus. No, he was fully man walking on this earth. You have to remember that when Jesus walked on earth, you know, so many of us, well, you have that mindset, well, he's God. No, he was fully man when he walked on earth, and he needed to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit just as you and I need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do everything that we're called to do. So Jesus walking on the water should be a wow in your minds. See, and if you say Peter walked on the water, people go, wow. But when you say Jesus walked on the water, they're like, uh-huh. No, it's just as wow. It should be. It should be just as a wow in your minds because, like I said, he has said in his word that he literally laid aside his divinity while he walked on earth. Like he was not, he's always God. It wasn't like he stopped being God. But the privileges of walking in that divine nature is what he put aside for the moment because he didn't stop being God. And this is where we have to understand he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And his example was for us to walk out so that we can't say, well, sure, Jesus, but you're God. Because that's what typically happens. Well, of course Jesus walked on water. 
we need to realize this. And if, when, if we don't get this, you're shortchanging yourself because Jesus says you are to be as I am, right? We're to be as he is. So verse 25, Jesus comes and he comes at night and he walks on the water. He walks on the sea, literally walking on the sea. When, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They were literally terrified, and they said it's a ghost, right? Jesus is coming to them in the midst of their difficulty. Remember, there was waves and winds and waves, and, and, the, and the boat was just being tossed, right? Jesus comes. He sees the trouble. They didn't ask. They didn't even cry out. They just, but he came. See, that's the beauty of God. First of all, I want you to hear that part. This is that he comes even sometimes when you don't even ask. Even when you fail to ask, you forgot to ask. You were so wrapped up in your problems, you forgot to ask. But yet he's so gracious. He still came. He saw the need and he came. Don't miss the goodness of God because you're so focused on something else. It's so important that we get that. The disciples, they saw him walking on the sea, and they were terrified. They misjudged what was going on. They misjudged. They said, it's a ghost. They said, it's a ghost. They're like, oh, my goodness, this is a ghost. What is this? They had been walking with Jesus. He just got done feeding the 5,000. And he saw the miraculous multiplication, right? The disciples saw this miraculous multiplication with the small boy's lunch, right? And then they see their same same master, same teacher, the same one that they've been following, the same one that they left their old lifestyle to come and walk with on an everyday basis, and they literally misunderstand, misre they, he's a ghost? What is this? What is it? Is it it's a ghost? No, it's Jesus. The more intimate you are with him, the more you will know him in your midnight hour. This was, this was like between 3 in the morning and 6. This is like in like the midnight hour, so to speak, when it's dark. When it's quiet, when it's so still, the more intimate that you are with him, the more you will know him in your midnight hours. Somebody hear the word of the Lord today. But they misunderstood who he was because they said he's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them and he said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to walk on the water. He says, Lord, if that's you. I mean, he heard his voice. Look at the power of fear. Look at the power of fear. Close enough to hear his voice, which means close enough to see his face. But yet he's still full of fear if it's you. What do you mean if it's you? Haven't you been walking with him every day? Haven't you been listening to him? Hasn't he been ministering to you every day? Didn't you leave your old life? Didn't you say, I'm going to follow after you? If it's you, that's the power of fear right there. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is a spirit. They were, and specifically he was, so gripped with fear. Lord, if it's you. Hey, listen to the goodness of God. He just overrides all of that. And, and he just says one word. He tells him one word. He says, come. I love how he's... Our, our Heavenly Father, Jesus is always teaching us, right? Jesus is, the, through the Spirit of God, he's always, he's leading us into his, his beautiful, just paths of righteousness. He's leading us. He says, come. One word. Look at verse 29. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat. And Peter walked on water. He got out of the boat. He stepped 
out of what he was living in fear with and he got out of the boat and he started to walk on water. He started to walk on the problem. Remember the waves and the wind and all the treacherous water and everything that was happening. But he literally stepped on the situation. He stepped on the problem and he literally came. He stepped out of the boat. The problem is some people are so stuck in the boat, even if they hear a word like come, and they don't do it because they're so full of fear. He didn't say that he wasn't full of fear. Just in his fear, he chose to walk in faith. And anytime in your fear you choose to walk in faith, faith will override your fear. People wait until there's no fear to move. It's wrong. You don't wait till there's no fear. You step out in faith, and your faith will override fear. Because fear comes from the enemy, and it's meant to keep you bound. It's meant to keep you stuck. It's meant to keep your eyes off of the Lord and on the problem. Listen, if one of the other disciples had stepped out of the boat at this moment in time, if John got out of the boat, he probably would have sank immediately. Why? Well, Peter was operating in a level of faith that was, was beyond your regular faith. Like I said, we are all to walk in faith, but then there's something called the gift of faith. Peter was walking in a greater measure of faith when he heard and he, and he accepted that challenge. It doesn't matter that he had fear. See, people go, well, but he had so much fear. But he also stepped out in faith. Who else walked on water out of the disciples? So instead of saying, wow, Peter, little faith. Peter, so impulsive. What about Peter? With little faith, you stepped on water. What about Peter? With little faith, you defied the natural circumstances and you literally kept your eyes on the Lord, even if it was just for a moment. It's still a miracle, is it not? It's still a miracle that he could have had for a longer time, and this is for somebody. It's still a miracle that he could have had for a longer time had he kept his eyes on Jesus. It doesn't negate the fact that he walked on water. In the natural, that's impossible. But we don't serve a natural God. If you needed to walk on water for a specific purpose, do you believe God would have you do it? Absolutely. Some of you are just in such a natural mindset that you're like, well, yeah, right. Well, then, therefore, you never will. You can rest assured that you never will because your faith isn't there. But if you needed to walk on water for a specific purpose and you said, yes, Lord, no matter what, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord, guess what? You would be the one that God says, I'm going I'm to literally work through them, this miracle. But the reality is this. Without walking on the natural water, God is calling you to walk on the waters in life. He's literally calling you to walk on the circumstances of your life. It's like walking on water. It's like walking on treacherous ground. It's like walking on the areas that the enemy is trying to sink you in. But you're still alive. You're still standing. So in reality, we can say even spiritually speaking, prophetically speaking, we are walking on water. Are we not? Yes. 
We're walking on water because we're still standing. We're walking on water because we haven't let that situation sink us. We're walking on water because we haven't let the naysayers, we haven't let the, the circumstances literally cover us and bury us and drown us. So with faith and confidence, you can literally say, oh, I am a water-walking Christian, all right, and I walk on water. When you say that, your faith rises. Your faith will rise up to a whole nother level when you say that. So Peter, he walks on water. Jesus has come. Peter gets out of the boat. And verse 29, and he walks on the water and he came towards Jesus. Could you imagine being Peter? Could you imagine what he must have felt for, for those moments there? Walking on water and he, he was going towards Jesus, which means, which implies that his eyes were on Jesus. Anytime. We keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of horrendous circumstances, dangerous circumstances. God will see fit that he protects you. He will see fit that he moves heaven and earth to rescue you because your eyes are on Jesus. Everyone else can have fear for you, but you're not going to have it. But look at what happens in verse 30. But seeing the wind, there's your mistake right there, Peter. You took your eyes off Jesus just for a moment and you looked at the wind. You were walking on water, Peter. And then immediately that devil comes in to bring in fear, to refocus. Anytime there is a miracle happening in your life and you see it, you see the breakthrough, you see the beginning, you see a heart that was once hardened now starting to open up and you're focused on look at what God is doing. I'm praying, I'm going to stand in faith, I'm going to stand in prayer, I'm going to stand believing. And, you're, and then you got those that are watching going, yeah, but I wonder how long it's going to last. Right there. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen. That's what's going to sink your faith if you let it. Because what happens is people let it. They hear it. And we are affected by the things we hear. It, it, it takes spiritual maturity, which is what we're called to, to literally go, well, I, I may have heard it, but I'm also kicking it out. See, people don't do that. They go, oh, well, you know, I know how they think, or that's my brother, or that's my so-and-so. Uh-uh. They're literally speaking out of the spirit of the enemy. Why do you tolerate things that God has not sent? It has an assignment attached to it. And that assignment is to sink you. Yeah, but it came from a really good friend, and I know their heart is right. Well, their heart might be right, but at the moment they're being manipulated by a demonic spirit, and you're just tolerating it. But it's meant to sink you. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to cast it out. You're supposed to say, oh, I hear that lying spirit. I, I hear that, I see it, I hear it, I smell it, and I say it's under my feet. No, keep my eyes on Jesus. That which he has begun, he also will finish. And you need to open up your mouth and speak the truth. So Peter's walking on water, church, walking on water, and then all of a sudden shifts his eyes to the wind. It's like when we shift our eyes on something that someone says, though we were walking in full faith, guard your heart. We're to guard our hearts. And so he says here, verse 30, but seeing the wind, he became frightened. That was the intention. Seeing the wind, he became frightened. And he began to sink. What do you mean he began to sink? You don't begin to sink. You just sink. I've never seen somebody kind of beginning to sink unless they were on a, some kind of a float. Some kind, of a, some kind of a device of which he was not on, which tells you something. 
His level of faith was far, far higher than what you've given him credit for. Because by the time he sank, the level of faith that Peter was walking in finally took effect, and then he sank. It's not natural, is it? Because you just sink. Unless you're walking in such a high level of faith that before it starts to wane, there is still an opportunity to rise back up. We're all called to walk in this type of faith. Jesus walked in it. And as he is, so are we in this world. So therefore, him beginning to sink shows us what he was walking in was not natural, but supernatural. His faith even was supernatural, even though in the very next sentence or two, he's going to tell him he had little faith. But yet with little faith, he still walked on water. With little faith, he still defied the natural laws of the land. Pretty powerful because we are also called to do the very same. So verse 30, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And see, and this is where intimacy kicks in because he was one that truly did love the Lord and he did have an intimate walk with Jesus. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't scold him. I mean, he did rebuke him. He said, why did you doubt? That is a rebuke. But at the same time, it's a loving rebuke because he's trying to bring him up higher again. And so immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. And he said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And that leads us, all of us, to think, where in our lives do we have little faith? Where have we doubted? Because little faith isn't such a bad thing. If you can walk on water with a little faith, that's pretty good. But why did you doubt is the key because it's the doubting that robbed him from doing the miraculous that he was doing and walking in. So doubt and fear, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. The gift of faith wells up within you, and it welled up within Peter. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Some might say, well, how arrogant is that? No. Faith started rising up. He knew him. He knew him. He realized he's not a ghost. He, he's the son of God. He, he's been literally teaching me. I left everything to follow this man. There's an intimacy that I have with him. And so he said, if it's you, command me to come. And with one word, he stepped out in faith. The gift of faith started to kind of swell up within Peter because he took the step. And so there's a gift of faith that I'm referring to today that the Lord wants to literally rise up, let it, let it rise up within you. Some people feel like they, okay, well, when I, when I hear that full sentence or when I hear, when I see the writing on the wall, then I will know that's not faith, that's sight. So how, how is it that sometimes God will cause you to do the supernatural? You know, last week there was a lady that came. She drove three hours to get here. 
and she was deaf in one ear. She's 22 years old, and for 22 years, she had never heard in one of her ears. The other ear, she was already starting to lose her hearing, which is why she came. She came for the other ear, not the deaf one. She came for the one that was starting to lose hearing. I prayed for that ear. She said it started draining. It was starting to drain. But faith starts to rise up, rise up when you see the working of God, right? And how did faith well up in me? It is just, well, it's a gift of faith, but he just literally starts to well up within me. And I start praying for that ear, commanding the ear to hear. Just a matter of a few minutes, God opened up her hearing and opened up the ear that she had been deaf in for 22 years. Why? Because, because faith literally has feet. You have to put feet to your faith. You need to trust that when God starts to rise up on the inside of you, and it's not necessarily because you saw the writing on the wall, let faith rise up within you. There will be an, an intuition. There will, there will be just a, there will be just God just pressing upon your heart. Do this. Do this. And it's not even 100% clear sometimes. But you'll know that you know that you know. Don't ask me how. You just know that you know that you know that you have to do this. That's faith. That's the gift of faith. If you operate, if you just take those steps, Peter, come. Peter had to come. Peter had to look at the water and say, no, I'm going to look at you. You said, come. So I'm going to look at Jesus. And I'm just going to obey. This woman was healed of being deaf. Deafness for 22 years. Wow. And everybody here, that would, everyone that was here, all witnessed that she could hear. She's not deaf in that ear anymore. She's not deaf in that. Now, amen. Yeah, give God the glory. We give God the glory. Absolutely. You know, the word says that the just shall live by faith. And so the gift of faith causes us to talk to deaf ears and see them open. What's, is there any difference between stories we read in the Bible, this specific story, and your life? Same spirit. Say the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. Same spirit. Same spirit. Say same spirit. I have resurrection power living on the inside of me. Same spirit. You have resurrection power living on the inside of you. If God was to say, I want you to walk on water, would you do it? Of course you would because you'd keep your eyes on Jesus. Because after this message, you realize I already am walking on water. I actually am defying the laws of the land. I am not going to be a pawn in the devil's hands. I'm literally walking through those double doors and the doors shall open before me. See, even as I say that, I can, feel the, I can feel the faith rising up. And dear God, if there was a closed door in front of me, let me tell you, it would either crumble or it would swing wide open, but it will not stay closed. <laughs> Mix your faith with the authority of Christ that he has given you. There's no tolerance, zero, for a little bit of doubt. Zero. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how it may look. Zero tolerance. No compromise, no doubt, no fear. The minute you see that creep creeping up, command it to go. Are we not commanded in the word of God to have dominion over everything that creeps on this earth? Read your Bibles in Genesis chapter 1. Everything. He's given us dominion over everything that creeps on this earth. He's given you dominion over every spirit, over every power, every spirit of unbelief. He's given you dominion. 
Let your faith rise up to the level that God has expected you to walk in. Do you know God has an expectation for you? He's already laid it out in his word. He's not expecting you to be water-walking Christians. This is example is not just a one-time thing. It wasn't just, oh, so we can say Peter was such a, such a risk-taker. And people do that. Why? Because it deflects the attention. No, it's about you. Where are you walking? Because you're supposed to be walking on water. You're supposed to be walking on that situation and destroy it. You're supposed to be walking in, on, in every territory that God says, every place the soles of your feet step upon in Joshua 1, 3. Every place the soles of your feet literally step upon. It is your ground. It's your territory. So captives are being set free on your watch. And we all have people we know that have been captivated by the world, whether it's because of sin, whether it's because of just some kind of seduction, whether it's just a religious mumbo-jumbo, whatever it might be. But we all know people that have been captivated, and they're captive. They're like literally captives in the world. But we have authority that God has given us to stand in the gap and to pursue Christ and to continue to say, oh, no, not on my watch, devil, not on my watch. I don't think so, absolutely not. You're under my feet, devil. And you don't say it once or twice. You continue to say it, and I don't care if it takes years. You continue to say it and stop changing your narrative. Continue to say it. Don't change what you have been spoken to by the word of God to decree. Amen. The devil's waiting on your mouth, and he's expecting you to change your decree. Many people do it because they allow the circumstance to discourage them. They look at the waves. Ah, oh, I'm tired, though. You don't know what it's like to live in my shoes. You don't know, really. Maybe you don't know. I know this one thing that he says, I can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things. Everything that he's called you to, you will be able to do through Christ, not through yourself. Through Christ who strengthens you. I know this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in me is going to finish it because he's faithful. He's going to finish it. Sometimes people misunderstand faith and authority for, oh, they're, you're so strong. Well, thank God because he makes me strong in the Lord. Because the enemy is always trying to chip away your strength and, keep, and literally cause you to fall. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The enemy wants to chip away your faith. Chip, literally just destroy your armor. One thing after the next. Next thing spoken. Next thing spoken. And the people do it all the time. When you don't stop it, it's your fault. You just let people say all kinds of things in your life. Oh, well, you don't want to be like that. Like, it's just too much. You know, just too much. They're just over the top. They're just over the top. You know, and you let people say things like that, and you don't stop it. No, we all have people. At least I know I used to have people. Let me tell you, nobody says that. Not to my face anymore. I know they say it, but nobody seems to have the courage to say it to my face anymore. But they used to. Gosh, you're just over the top. Like, you know what? Thank God I'm over the top because I'm not going to sink. But I'm going to walk on that water. And so will you. Verse 31. Why did you doubt? Verse 32, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. I sensed disappointment. They, specifically Peter, had to have been like, was it really Satan? What just happened? I was walking on water two seconds ago. I took my eyes off Jesus just for a second. I started to sink. Jesus steps in the boat and the wind stopped. Is it really about that kind of authority? 
What if I would have just looked at the wind and the waves and said, shut up. Out of here in Jesus' name. And fixing my eyes on the author and perfecter of my faith. What if I would have just stayed focused? The winds and the waves would have stopped because they literally stopped when we all stepped into the boat. You're not going to be shortchanged. That's the point here. You're not going to be shortchanged if you heed what I'm saying. The power of God was no less before Jesus stepped into the boat, right, than after. After he stepped in, the wind stopped. And I'm sure they were all quite shocked. You're not going to be shortchanged if you literally say, wow, I'm going to walk with the greater one all the days of my life. 